Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning and welcome to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. Today is Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. Uh, and it is the Feast of St. Leo the Great. And I usually have a saint who is a little bit off the wall as far as who they are, some of the minor saints. I chose St. Leo the Great for two reasons. Uh, well, mainly for well, two, because my father was Leo and my middle name is Leo. So and Gene, you're great. Uh, thank you very much, Dennis. And Dennis is here with me today. <laughs> Howdy, everybody. And uh, we're going to have some fun today. My guest later today is going to be Kevin Wells. Uh, for those of you in the uh, Bryan College Station area, Kevin is going to be giving a men's day or morning of reflection uh, here on the, December the fourth, and in the afternoon he's going to be giving a woman's afternoon of reflection at St. Joseph's Catholic Church uh, in Bryan. Uh, and for more information, you can call 979-777-8453. That's 979-777-8453 if you want more information on that. But we'll be talking about that uh, during the program. Uh, so uh, I thank you very much for listening today. Now let's talk a little bit about St. Leo. St. Leo uh, was died on November 10th, 461. And he's the first pope who was ever called the Great. Uh, so, and he served, he served, uh, he started out uh, his religious life as a deacon, and he served under the Pope Celestine I, and he was widely respected. And he was, he was uh, somebody who went out and for Pope Celestine to resolve disputes. And uh, he, he was, when Pope Sixtus III died, Leo was elected uh, was visiting Rome at the request of the emperor, and he was elected pope unanimously, and they brought him back. And one of the big, couple of the big things that he really did was that he fought tirelessly for the unity of the church and its faith, and he was also a, a, an opponent of the numerous heresies that came about uh, in that period of time. Uh, he's also a great defender of Orthodox teaching, uh, and here's a little-known fact that he is the one who led the charge against Attila the Hun when the barbarians came to take Italy, and he focused heavily on his doctor on his on his pastoral care, and he was declared a doctor of the church in 1754. And if that's not enough, there's another Saint Leo, Saint Leo of Malone, and I can't tell you anything about him because I couldn't find anything on him. But there, it's 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 Leo's day. It's a double Leo day. <clears throat> double Leo. And we forgot to do the Saint Joseph segment. Didn't Saint Leo, uh, Leo's <clears throat> pray for us. Saint and, Leo's pray and for us. Saint Joseph. It's the year of Saint Joseph. Pray for us. Do you want to lead in that? Gene? Okay, I can do that. Okay. Uh, at, oh, blessed Joseph, faithful guardian of my Redeemer Jesus Christ protector of your chaste spouse, the Virgin Mother of God, I choose you this day to be my special patron and advocate, and I firmly resolve to honor you all the days of my life. 
Therefore, I humbly call on you to receive me as your adopted child, to instruct me in every doubt, to comfort me in every affliction, to obtain from me all the knowledge and love of the sacred heart of Jesus, and finally to defend and protect me at the hour of my death. Amen. Amen. I don't have a lot to say about that, but this Men's Day of Reflection is the title of is How to Be a Modern Day St. Joseph. Mm. So uh, those of you who want to hear more about St. Joseph and the, the Year of the Family, uh, I would invite you to come. It's going to be at Santa Teresa Church in Bryan. Uh, the start... men's is at St. Teresa's. Saint, Santa Teresa's. Santa Teresa. And then uh, St. Joseph is the women's. Yeah, and then the title of the women's is The Women We Need to Nourish the Church. There you go. And... Uh, we'll begin. The men's day will begin with mass at eight o'clock, and it'll end at noon with uh, uh, Mike Bonin, who is a frequent guest here on Red Sea Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, said that they found a rosary to Saint Joseph, so we'll be praying a rosary to Saint Joseph at noon, nice. and then, then I guess uh, Kevin is going to go past McDonald's, get something to eat, and go over to St. Joseph Parish. Well, we're a non-commercial educational nonprofit station, so we, you know, he has to choose. We cannot ask him or tell no, him. No, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell him where to, to go to eat, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the, it's going to be a tight schedule. I don't know if I would choose to go there, but <clears throat> well, we can't say anything either either way, here nor there, I guess. Dennis, you got some updates for us with Red Sea Radio. Well, we, you know, you'd mentioned Joseph, and uh, <clears throat> it's the year of St. Joseph, as we said already, and uh, we've got a benefit dinner or two, you know, coming up in the next day or two, and they're uh, very Josephite-themed. Uh, the theme of our benefit dinners is cheers to Joseph. And wow. so um, if you've listened to the Catholic Man Show uh, that we've had on for about a year now, they say cheers to Jesus. And it's they pattern that after uh, Pope Benedict when he, I think, was given a beer. And and he, he basically said, uh, we're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. And that's when he drank a beer and uh, cheers to Jesus. And, I, I would expect that of a German pope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. So they patterned that on their show, and, and we're going to have a Cheers to Joseph event. And so it's going to be a, a really fun evening. We've got maybe one table available, which is only eight people that, that we can squeeze into our benefit dinner here. Uh, and the same at Waco. We are at a packed capacity, so we're very excited. Now, if somebody gets excited about this benefit dinner Which uh, after listening today, yes. what do they need to do to secure a table? Go to redcradio.org, and if you can't get a full table and sponsor a full table, you can get a uh, individual seating is, is still available as well. And that's that's $25 a seat for it the is, individual. It is. So redcradio.org, we've got great meals at both locations. We've yes. got Italian meal, uh, uh, kind of in the, the history and, and tradition of St. Anthony's here, we've got some... St. Anthony's Blood doing our catering, and uh, it's going to be a choice of chicken Alfredo or spaghetti and meatballs, and they're both good. Thaddeus and I tasted them both, and my gosh, they were really— It doesn't show. (laughs) You're not looking, that's why. Um, Very, very good, and we've got some uh, local kolaches that are award-winning, and I know it doesn't match the Italian, but you know who the heck cares? well, it's a universal it's, church. It's good. It was. It's going to be good. And we've got lots to drink, lots of fellowship. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be a lot of fun. Tomorrow night, it starts at 6. The doors start at—the doors open at 6. The event starts at 7. It goes till 9. 
We're going to have a great presentation from the guys from the Catholic Man Show, as I was and saying. And that's at the Brazos Center, which is behind the Target store in Bryan. Yes, it's right Briar off Crest, Highway 6. Firecrest and Highway 6. Correct. And so Adam Minahan and David Niles are two just incredible show hosts, incredible guys that we met at Bishop David Condorla's ordination way back mm. when, when he was ordained a bishop. And, uh, you know... It's just going to be a rip-roaring good time. I'm looking very much forward to it, to, to raise my glass and give cheers to Joseph. And then the next night, Friday night, is going to be at the Knights of Columbus Hall in West. Same guys, same theme, uh, but different just food. a different crowd, different food. We're going to have some more Americana roast beef um, and, and green beans and potatoes, and it's going to be really good. Mm -hmm. Just great that the, the Knights of Columbus group out there, um, volunteers, they made some incredible food last year, and we're looking forward to it again this no year. No kolaches there? Same. Same kolaches. Same guy, too. Oh. Uh, Award-winning Corey Sincouli. So uh, he he's won some awards at the uh, the uh, kolache festival here in, in Caldwell. So we're looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be a, a really a lot of fun. And just people always love coming, and we're looking so much forward to the fellowship. We want to bring families together. That's part of our mission statement to help people integrate the faith into their everyday lives. And we're, we're, we've got some really fun announcements we're going to have, uh, especially here. Waco, we're doing a, a celebration of everything y'all have been doing to help us in our debt reduction there, and it's just going to be a, a big celebration for both nights. So Ready to party. I'm ready. Uh, and you're finally going to be able to publish what it is that you've been working on in the background for there several are three, months. There three huge projects that we've been working on and nurturing literally for almost a year now each. And they're finally coming. <laughs> they're coming to fruition all at the same time. Go figure. Um, uh, well. Yeah. So... Uh, but it's exciting to be able to present it at our benefit dinner and uh, knowing how that that the Holy Spirit is guiding us and growing this apostolate in multiple areas. Um, we're very excited to share that with people. So, yeah, it's exhausting, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and Dennis still has his hair as opposed to me. So I'm, It's turning gray, though. <laughs> I don't know if that's the radio station and, and the apostolate or if it's teenagers. Yeah. You know, I was going to mention— or both. Uh, do you have more? I was going to mention something. No, no, please. I was going to mention something that happened here at St. Mary's uh, Catholic Center on, uh, I guess it was October 7th, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's something that's been written up in the National Catholic Register. Are you talking about the Eucharistic procession? The Eucharistic, Eucharistic procession. There yeah. is a Eucharistic procession uh, after an event called Magnify, which is a monthly event here at St. Mary's. And there were 700 yeah. students who, who processed uh, through the, uh, what would you call it, the drinking area adjacent North to the university. Northgate. Northgate, yep. adjacent to the university. And then they marched through the campus. Uh, and they didn't actually go through the chicken, though. No, they didn't go through the chicken. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> but I think they went outside the chicken. Yeah, they And did. Uh, they uh, marched 700 strong across the campus. Mm -hmm. uh, if you go to—golly, uh, I'm trying to remember where you— You know what else is cool is they had people in the begin in the front and on the sides to kind of be the liaisons yes. to explain to people that had questions. And I think they had they picked up some followers along the way. That's pretty neat. Uh, and if you, uh, if you go to St. Mary's website or Facebook page, there's actually a, 40, a minute and 42-second video mm -hmm. uh, showing— just a snippet of what's going on and in, in the immensity of, of uh, 
the crowds uh, that are that went there. And uh, I had multiple of my kids were there. I had to miss because I had another sick kid at home. But yeah, I I wanted to be there, and I heard it was very 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 moving. Very beautiful. Uh, and I didn't go because it was past my bedtime. But all right. All you and the, the Baylor Catholics there, let's let's get one going across the campus of Baylor now. Yes, that would be good. Uh, and if you need any... Shout out to Father Henry Finch. Yes. Yeah. He's he's a newly ordained priest that... Well, fairly newly ordained priest that's uh, there at the Baylor campus uh, Catholic Center. They are growing and going strong as well. Yes, that's what I understand. Uh, but don't... We're not trying to say you need to be like... St. Mary's, but no, it's, it's, it, it's something that is unusual. I no, mean, I mean, it would be great to have, and I don't, you know, I don't know if there would be any regulations on a, a Baptist campus to have, have that happen or if they need to seek permission or not, but it would be really cool to see yeah, that happening could, on really multiple would. campuses around, around, and multiple places for that matter, uh, around our nation. So way to go. Yep. And so I've got, uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's coming up for me over the next couple of months. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of you remember that in the past I have interviewed Anthony DeStefano, an author uh, with Sophia Press, and he's written a couple of books, uh, several books. Some of them are for adults. Uh, I talked to him, uh, I think last Christmas, the book that he had that year and then the year before was a seed that didn't want to be planted or something like that mm-hmm. uh he's got two new children's books out uh that i i have a copy to look at which i haven't had a chance to do yet uh but they are excellent <laughs> i mean i know they're excellent because I've, I've seen, you got a month now to read a children's I knew, book i know but it's a children's book and you know <laughs> i have to get myself in the uh, and so we, uh, I'm going to be interviewing him and uh, give you an opportunity to hear a little bit about it. And if you have children or grandchildren that uh, awesome. uh, would uh, benefit by that, we'll, you, we'll give you some information there. Uh, I have uh, – I am lining up somebody to talk about what the charismatic renewal is. And I've got somebody that I'm lining up to talk about – uh, how this woman became a legal immigrant from Honduras. Lots of good stuff to and, come. Who do we have in the next segment, Gene? Well, you got Kevin Wells in the next okay, segment. So and he is, a, he is a man that made a transition from a sportscaster to oh. an author, Catholic author. He's sort of a Catholic Mitch album. Yeah. And so I, I'm really excited about what's going on. And there's so much happening here, that, uh, and uh, I just really appreciate the opportunity to be with you. And I forgot to tell you who you are, but we'll talk about that in the next segment. So we're going to have Kevin Wells coming up, folks. Stay tuned to a continued Red Sea Roundup only here on Red Sea Catholic Radio. Look forward to seeing you the next couple of nights at our benefit dinners. If you could come, we'll be right back. All this I can, I am. Good morning. Again, this is Gene Wilhelm, your host for Red Sea Roundup. I'm so glad you're with us today. Uh, I know those of you in Palestine are not able to hear us. Uh, you can, if you're streaming, tell your friends to stream because we, we're having some technical difficulties out in Palestine. 
but you may be listening on KEDC 88.5 FM in the Brazos Valley or KYAR 98.3 FM in Central Texas. And you, if you want to stream us, uh, you can do that by going to redsearadio.org or you can use the Red Sea Radio app to, to be able to stream us. And if you miss today or you hear something today that you want somebody else to listen to uh, to it, uh, it will be repeated at 9 o'clock Central Time on Saturday morning. And probably within a day or two of this broadcast, you will also be able to pick up a, a, a podcast uh, on RedSeaRadio.org, Spotify, and Podbean, and yeah. Bunch of others, right, Dennis? Yeah, it's redsearadio.org forward slash podcast or, or check your other providers as well. Because it's it's on quite a few of them. Uh, and I've got my guest with me now today, Kevin Wells. Hello, Kevin. Gene, hello. How are you doing? I am doing fine. I am so glad we finally are able to have this conversation with our audience. Uh, you and I talked, what, two, three weeks ago and uh, learned a lot about you. And uh, your your life is a little unusual. I only know of one other person that had some of what's going on in your life, and he did it from a secular perspective rather than from a Catholic perspective. And that would be Mitch Album, the author of Tuesdays with Maury. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, I actually used to sit in the same press boxes with Mitch Album back when he was a columnist for the Detroit Free Press. He used to cover the Tigers and the Lions and so back there in the nineties, um, yeah, he would, uh, he, he'd be sort of in the visitor section while I was in the home section of the press box. But, um, yeah, I was a, um, I, I was a, uh, professional sports writer for, I guess, 10 years and, and, um, ended up, uh, covering sort of, a a, a goal, a dream of mine that was major league baseball. Um, I always covered, uh, I, I played baseball for years as a child and, in high school and all my five brothers played high school baseball and, and, um, we just loved the game and I like to write. So it was always a goal of mine sort of throughout the years to be, be able to marry the two and ended up becoming the Tampa Bay Rays first ever beat writer when they, um, when they became a, a franchise back in, I guess it was 98 with the Diamondbacks. So yeah, I did that and uh, man, life, uh, life was pretty good back then still is, but life was really, really fun back then. So how did you get into that? You weren't from the Orlando area originally, were you? No, no, no. I was, I'm from Maryland, the Washington DC area. And, um, so you went graduating, you went through the, uh, were you old enough to go through the transition when the senators became the Texas Rangers? No, 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 that was my dad. No, I, (laughs) I, um, yeah, right. Yeah. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm younger than that, but, um, but you, you went through the other transition. When, oh, oh yeah, when, I did. When the uh, new yeah, senators went, oh, I don't remember who the new senators became, and then you got the Nationals. Right, the Expos became the Nationals. I was there for that. Uh, that was about what shoot about twelve, thirteen years ago, or something like that. Um, yeah, no, I the, the Washington Post and Baltimore Sun told me after graduating college that they were not going to hire me unless I got daily experience, daily newspaper experience. So I I, I took a trip and ended up in Florida. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know, you know, but I, but I got a job at a small daily down there. And, and the goal was to get with a major daily and, and uh, to cover a major sport and eventually get back to, um, to, to either the Washington post or the sun. So, so that's kind of how it worked. I, that's how I ended up in Florida. So God worked in your life, even though you probably didn't realize he was doing it at that time. No, no, as usual, God's invisible and sometimes we don't see him. And I just kind of went along with the plan. 
So where did you go to school and, and did you study journalism? I did. I, um, I went to 16 years of Catholic school. I, I was the, um, the editor for the high school paper, DeMatha Catholic High School. It, it, you might know it for it's, it's kind of a, a sports power up here in the Maryland area. And ended up at Loyola University in Baltimore, and I'm okay. the editor there. So, uh, yeah, I studied, I studied writing at Loyola. Wow. And, and then did you intern at one of the, at the Sun or the Post uh, that, that they knew they didn't want you? Or, or did they just weren't hiring, or they just wanted somebody that was more seasoned? They went to want somebody more seasoned, but also I was a terrible writer back then. I'm still not the greatest, but back then I was awful. And um, but they hired me. I would I would cover um, you call it stringing. I would string college lacrosse games, different events. So I used to write for the for the Sun back then. And but really it was is you know they're not going to have me cover the Baltimore Orioles when I'm a 23 year old kid trying to interview an owner or a general manager and understand the inner workings of an organization, they, they need, needed me to hit the road to get some experience under my belt. And that's, that's what I did. Well, so basically they had you covering all the things that they didn't think it was worth sending one of their reporters out to cover. Yeah, they, they had me join that big Armada. Back then newspapers were big back in the nineties. Yeah. So there was a bunch of them out there and I was just one of, one of many. You talked about going to 16 years of Catholic school. Why don't we back up a little bit and talk about your early life and your family? Great. I'm, you know, I'm, I'll tell you, Gene, I truly, truly, I was, I was blessed to be raised in a large Irish Catholic family. Mom and dad raised their eight children to, to know the faith. Um, They didn't trust in a certain sense, even then they didn't trust that it would just be the, the sisters of St. Joseph in the classrooms or even the priests to form us and catechize us. They knew it was their job. So, so they, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't shove it down our throats, but they sort of led us in piecemeal fashion to what the, how the faith could, could help us, assist us, aid our souls. And, um, and we were a family that prayed the rosary. And I, and I think oftentimes my dad will ask me, you know, Kevin, why do you think we're all still Catholic? Why do you think all the grandchildren, all my grandchildren are still Catholic? And, and I, I always, sort of go back to the rosary. We were a family that prayed the rosary back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And, and I think Mary, in a certain sense, had always sort of maternally guided us and, and protected us. And so we're all, all the, all the Wells family is still practicing the faith to this day. And I, and I think for some reason, mysteriously, Mary is the catalyst. Well, and, and, and tying in with what you're going to talk about when you're here, you're going to be talking about uh, being a modern-day Joseph. Your father was basically a modern modern day Joseph, was he not? He was. He knew he, you know, he was the patriarch of the family. He was the priest of the family, uh, as Joseph was a protector of the Holy Church. And, you know, he was, he was truly the provider for Jesus and Mary. He was the model and he was the pillar. My dad was too. My, you know, my dad, I, I think men used to know, uh, generation after generation, men knew that they needed to offer themselves as a sacrifice, whether it was taken on a second job or eating less during the depression or, you know, just offering themselves fully, almost like an icon of Jesus on the cross who bled out, who sacrificed out of love. My, my dad, my dad knew, Hey man, I, I come last. My, my, my wife, Judy and, and my kids, they come first. So he just offered himself as a sacrifice, but he also knew that if it was just work, work, work and sacrifice, it was no good unless he introduced the Catholic faith. So he was, he was the, uh, one of the men, uh, and there are, tend to be few of us 
who are able to integrate their whole lives as, as a whole rather than compartmentalize it. Yeah, my dad was pretty simple. Like he, 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 um, he didn't have tons of hobbies. He wasn't golfing and he was a busy, you know, he had his own masonry contracting company and he had to run it. And it was a, um, you know, a fairly successful company in three generations. So it was for him, it was work and family and just, um, sort of enjoying family life. And so, so he had more time to give to his family and, and to sort of lead us along, um, because, you know, really, things were kind of tight. Um, let, let's keep things tight. Let's let's keep things within bounds. If we're going to walk the narrow road as a family, then I can't be all over the place. There's got to be kind of a presence in the family room or at the dinner dining room table or whatever. So it, he made it sort of simple for himself to be able to do what he did. I'm sure that uh, in that business, uh, you had the opportunity to participate in the business at some point in time in your life. Oh, many, many, many years. Oh, yeah. I um it's a hard life. Commercial masonry contracting in the Washington DC area. I mean, it's, there's cranes everywhere going up and I was part of that. And, you know, I was making the mortar as a kid. I was carrying the brick, the cinder blocks, set, erecting scaffold, taking it down. Um, yeah. And then later on I got involved and, and became the vice president and um, you know, it's hard work. It's, it's, it's every, it's six days a week, every week of the year, it's 60, 70 hour week. So it's, it's, it's good, healthy work, but it, 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 it demands it demands a backbone. Well, and that that means that it it could has the potential of taking time away from the family, and that, that that the time that you have with the family is just that much more important. Well, that's it. I mean, he was pretty smart. He realized if he was going to send all his kids to Catholic schools, it was going to cost some money, so it was going to take maybe more hours. But those open hours that he had were going to be spent inside the house. You were telling me that uh, it worked out well uh, that for one of your brothers who uh, really took to the family life and the Catholic traditions in your family. Yeah, that little brat ended up becoming a Catholic priest. And that's, is that the baby <laughs> of the family? No, he's not. He's a little brother, so I can call him a brat. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Father Dave Wells. He was, uh, he was probably the best of all the baseball players in our family. But yeah, he... Um, you know, I, I, he, back at college, he was, he went to the university of Maryland. His, he was in fraternity and his, and some of his buddies used to tell me, Hey man, he's the only guy I knew who could have a few beers and pass out with a Bible on his chest. So <laughs> true, true story, true story. So yeah, he discerned in college and, um, and yeah, now he's, he's a pastor of an enormous parish in the, in the Washington Archdiocese. Wow. And, but that is, but your other, the rest of your family is still just as Catholic, correct? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, we, we all, we're all practicing Catholics. You know, we all, I think we all understand what grave sin is, what mortal sin is. We're all, we're all clown shows. We all sin. We all make mistakes, but, but yeah, we try and oblige what the Catholic church espouses. We, you know, we, 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 we were all raised in schools that taught the faith and, Mom and Dad were were great models, so yeah, we're we're all uh, we're all on that road, we're all on that journey, that pilgrimage, trying to get to heaven. And it sounds too, so your parents really sacrificed to get eight children through Catholic schools. Yeah, I think it's over a hundred combined years of um, Catholic schooling. Dad paid for, and Mom was always at home, you know, grinding away, you know, making all the sandwiches and lunches and cleaning and. 
and fortifying us. You know, mom, I think it's mom's presence, her prayerful presence that really kind of got us through. She was, she was, she sort of had that Marian way to her where she wasn't, she kind of pondered things, was quiet, but she was always, this is the key. If there's any moms out there listening, mom was always in the room. You you didn't often notice her, but she was always in the family room as the boys were watching the Baltimore Orioles or, or just kind of hanging out, talking, Mom was always there, and and I think we all knew that she was there because she wanted she knew that we needed her presence. So I think Mom was really, really a, a, another backbone behind it all. That's so. It's it's the it's the husband and the wife working together that you're talking about. Oh yeah, it doesn't work. I mean, it just does not work. If I mean, it works, I guess, but but it it's it's it, it becomes almost not seamless, but the but the. But the machine is greased a little better when mom and dad are in concert working together. Did, did the example that your parents give you make it easier for you to be a husband and father? Yeah, I mean, they laid out the blueprint. I mean, they, they were they were the textbook. They didn't do, mom and dad didn't do everything perfect, of course, but but they showed me at least the patchwork um, responsibility of what a mom and dad do together to raise a family. So. You know, all the time I've looked back, I'm like, hey, man, what do I do here? Oh, well, dad did it this way or, oh, mom loved this way. So so my wife and I, my wife, Kristen, and I, you know, we, we, you know, we're sort in a certain way, I'm a spiritual heirloom of mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I try and pass off some of that to my kids and hopefully they'll pass it on to theirs as well. The other thing that strikes me in, in talking about your fa- early family life is that your parents were able to uh, help the family balance uh, religion, work, sports, school, uh, whereas uh, your parents weren't baseball parents. Like there are some parents that are either baseball or soccer parents. That That's the whole life of the child. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's demonic. I mean, it's just, it's, it really hurts the kid in the long run. It hurts mom and dad. That helicoptering. Sometimes, Gene, I think that parents helicopter every single aspect of their child's life except their soul. They forget to helicopter the soul, and and to to center your lives around little Johnny at shortstop or little Betty playing uh, as as the setter on the volleyball team. It just it gets you nowhere, and and oftentimes in a practical way, little Johnny is burnt out by the time he's a senior in, in high school. So, mm-hmm. so the, the, the same Johnny was going to be at the starting shortstop for the Texas Rangers. He tells dad, he dad, man, I'm done. I'm burnt out. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't go any further. And so it ends up haunting mom and dad. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that my, my own dad and mom, they're like, Hey man, ride your bike to practice, you know, I'm, you know, or I'm not going to make today's game and, you know, hopefully it's a good game. And, you know, and they, they just kind of set us free, you know, do, do your best and, you know, and, but I, you know, tragically, I think that's part of the problems with what we're going on today in the culture is, is, is mom and dad. So many moms and dads aren't focusing on the soul, the eternal soul of their, of their children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to take a, a point, uh, just a quick break here and remind our listeners that uh, you're listening to KEDC 88.5 in the Brazos Valley, KYAR 98.3 in Central Texas, and maybe on Saturday, It'll be KINF 107.9 out in Palestine. If you've got a question or comment, uh, you can call us at 85-LOVE-1. 
Red Sea. That's 855-683-7332. And my guest today is Kevin Wells, who uh, has a varied career. I'd like to go back just a little bit. You said you went into uh, to Florida and went to this small newspaper. How did that transition into being the sports writer that covered the Rays? Ah, uh, great story. Um, I, I, will, I will make it short. I was able to get a player, a baseball player back then, who was one of the top players in the game, Eddie Murray, to speak with me. Um, he hadn't spoken to the press in, I guess, eight or nine years. Um, and and I, he was down at spring training in Winter Haven, Florida, which is where I lived. And um, I fought to get this guy to talk to me. And, and um, he spoke and he spoke and he spoke. And I wrote a large magazine piece. And I sent it to the executive sports editor of the Tampa Tribune. And he knew because he, he knew baseball. He said, I don't know how in the world you got Murray to speak, but there must be something in you that, so he said, you know what, I'll, I'll bring you aboard. And he, and he, he started me covering high schools and, and uh, one thing led to another. And I, I told him along the way, I said, Hey man, if, um, if it ever comes to pass, I'd like to be a beat writer for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or, Orlando Magic or Tampa Bay Lightning, and and all of a sudden, baseball awards Tampa Bay a franchise, the Tampa Bay Rays, and I and I said, hey, that I I'd like to work to be your first beat writer, and I worked, and and when he awarded that beat writer, he picked me. Uh, maybe it was a dumb decision, but he picked me, and I and that's that's kind of how it happened. That's uh, again uh, demonstrates that God gives us talents. And God gives us grace. God gives us all sorts of things, and he makes things happen. But he expects us to do your part, our parts. And it sounds as though God did his part, and then you did your part by stepping out uh, in faith, maybe not as much faith as you would like, but stepping out in faith and pursuing that dream that God put in you. Right. It's, um, you know, you don't want to go back to the parable of the talents, but, but if you feel like there's a, something in you that God stuck in you, then, then you're going to have to sort of step out and meet it. And, and um, even if it's kind of hazy and cloudy and nebulous, you don't really know if it's real or not, but you sense it is, then if you could just kind of sit on it and, and sort of act slothful, then you might be, you might be sort of straightjacketing or contracepting that very thing that God put in you. But you didn't get stuck in the career as a sports writer. You made a transition, didn't you? Would you talk a little bit about how you did that transition to the next phase of your life? Ah, well, that's the big story there. So, so my wife and I, I met my wife, Krista, in Florida, and um, we were married. We wanted, uh, like my family, we wanted a large Catholic family, and um, we realized shortly after marrying that we could have no children. God did not bless us that way. And it was like a guillotine had split our marriage um, because Krista, um, God bless her, wanted to pursue in vitro fertilization. And I knew that the church forbade it. Um, so what a way to start your honeymoon. You know, she became a Hatfield and I became a McCoy. And, and uh, it just was really, really nasty. You know, Florida's got the sun, but, but it just added sweat to our lives. And, and um, so one day... Uh, I said, sweetie, we got to figure this thing out. You know, I, she wasn't budging and I wasn't budging. And, and the thing that really hurt us was that her pastor uh, at where she was a the youth minister at our parish on the beach in St. Pete Beach, Florida. She, he told her that if her conscience was clear 
and no embryos would be put at risk that in vitro fertilization was permissible. And that's a big fat no. Um, so rather than, uh, you know, a priest, the burden of his identity is to take a blue whale sized cross that a couple has and try and nudge it, nudge the couple to unite it to the cross of Christ. Instead, this priest built a canyon into our marriage. So anyway, I guess long story short, um, we needed help. So, so I, I said, will you come back to Maryland with me? And God bless her. Krista came back to Maryland and, and, um, I, I encourage your readers to find out what happened in a book I wrote a few years ago, but, um, something beautiful happened and, and we were put on the same path together and, and we ended up adopting, uh, three, three children and, and, and life took off. And, uh, just so if readers or our listeners are interested, uh, what is the name of that book and where could they find it? Well, it's actually, it's, it's in this, the name of the book is called Burst, A Story of God's Grace When Life Falls Apart. That's called Burst, mm-hmm. uh, A Story of God's Grace When Life Falls Apart. And they can go to Amazon.com and, and find it there. Now, when you moved back to Maryland, did you go back to work for your father? Or what did you do when you were there? I did. I did. The, the hope was I needed to uh, rate, make a lot of money for, for adoption. And, and his business was was busy. And for years, he had been he and my older brother were like, "Hey, man, quit that sports writing stuff. Get out of that. Get out of that toy box and get up here and help us out." So, so, um, so yeah, I, I got into the grind, and and it was uh, it was good. It was healthy, and I started, I guess, raise a, a my a bank account on on masonry contracting. It was tough to leave, you know, writing in my wake, but um, but it was a good way to earn a living. So, you put you put your dream that you had that you you'd focused your whole life on becoming this top-notch sports writer uh that followed a baseball team and you put that on hold for the sake of your family and you went into something that probably didn't really excite you that much um no it's not exciting to get up at five in the morning every morning gene (laughs) 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 no it's uh you know what? But that's what men do. You know, we suck it up. We're like, you know, I, what, do, what do we do? It's like I was saying earlier, you know, a man used to always understand that he was last, you know, as patriarch, um, you know, he wouldn't, he wasn't built to be comfortable. He was built to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ was uncomfortable. He had nowhere to lay his head. It wasn't comfortable to get whipped and then nailed to a cross and bleed out for to redeem all of humanity. So man, you know, if if a man is a man, he understands, man, I I, I can't just be sort of a effeminate here and just cry and keep writing and not look out for my wife's feelings. I, I gotta I gotta fight to make this thing work. So you know, I mean I, I'm no hero, trust me, my goodness, the last last thing in the world I'm as a hero, but I just knew what I needed to do. Okay. So you you were there in the concrete business for a number of years, and then you had another transition that happened to you. Ah, yes. So my uncle, Monsignor Thomas Wells, um, was one of the most powerful priests in the history of, really, it's not just his nephew saying this, in in the Archdiocese of Washington. You line up 100 priests in a row, and you ask them about my uncle, Monsignor Wells, and they'd say the guy was an absolute powerhouse. He just shipped men into seminaries. He was holy. He, he just moved souls. He was murdered in his rectory 
the year I moved home. And it's a long story. It's another book. It's another book. But but um, in the aftermath of his murder um, and what happened um, after boy, we're, we're, we're talking about a lot today, Gene, but what happened after a brain aneurysm that I had when I should have died? I don't know. I mean, many people that had what I had um, die instantly. But but um, what happened in the ho- neuro ICU hospital room upon the intercession of my uncle? nine years later, um, began to, I began to see the power of what priests do. The priest who prayed over me in this hospital room and who interceded, asking for my uncle who was in heaven, asking for his intercession and the fact that I survived this thing, the malformation, the blood and the fluids that were drowning my brain, it all went away. I began to consider the power of the priest. So I began to write stories, and, and these stories ended up being, in 2018, a book called The Priest We Need to Save the Church. And I think um, it was written at the, at, the, at the exact right time, because this is right when um, the McCarrick scandals, Pennsylvania grand jury reports, the papal, uh, all, all the stolen money from the Vatican Bank, all of this came to crescendo. So the book I had written actually was released in 2019. The priest we need to save the church. It became, you know, I think providentially because of God, it became a Catholic bestseller. And and I'll tell you, Gene, um, the most heartening thing is priests from bishops from all over, really the country and even outside the country, the world began to contact me and they say, "Man, you showed me Vianney, Colby, Bosco, Damon the Leper, Neri, John Newman." You showed me what they do to die as priests must, and I've been too comfortable. I've lived like a bachelor. Thank you for writing this book. It has re-engineered my priesthood. Now, it's obviously not me, an old washed-up sports writer. It's the work of the Holy Spirit channeled through an old, an old, an old sports writer. But the fact is, the book was, has been shipped into do- more than a dozen seminaries. Um, you know, priests have, priests have purchased it for their own seminarians, priests, and deacons. So it's, it's just really what it comes down to is the priests for millennia, for generations, have always understood that the burden of their identity was to become Jesus, the starved man from the cross, willing to give everything to save souls. Okay. And that book is available on Amazon as well, is it not? Yeah, it, I would go to Sophia. Sophia, it's a so, Sophia Press? Okay. Yeah, or, or Amazon or whatever the local okay. Catholic bookstore is. Okay. Okay, that's great. And that led to another ministry that you picked up along the way based on what you wrote and and what you were doing uh, with bishops and so forth. Would you care to talk about that a little bit? Well, um, so so I guess in the aftermath of that book, I, I, you know, I I don't know why God does these things, but but I was asked to give um, retreats to seminarians and men's groups and conferences and really throughout the country. And, you know, I'm like, you know, why, why do they want to, why do they want an old scorch writer to talk to them about the faith? But, but, but I was told over and over, no, we need, we need members from the laity now to speak boldly, prophetically about the times in which we live. You know, this is a winter time in the church. This is, this is a time where we've seen shepherds abandon us. Many shepherds just, just, we, we starve, the ladies starve 
we hunger for that witness of manhood, of shepherding, of, of, of that Holocaust willing to die for the flock. And we've seen them turn the other way. And so, so, uh, yeah, so I've been asked to sort of, uh, just share my thoughts, hopefully charitably, but also boldly to seminarians, to priests, or just regular men's and women's groups. And you, you're also involved with a number of, I'm going to say prominent lay and clergy, uh, in, that you've gotten to know, you, we talked about some of the uh, relationships that you have built and people that you uh, you were on the podium with. Uh, would you brag a little bit about that for us, please, even though I know you're humble? Well, I might have to hit, hit up confession after this, Gene. I didn't know you, <laughs> meant, meant, I didn't know you made your guests go to confession after the interviews. Well, no, I really don't. But uh, just, t- <laughs> just, just so, so people understand the circles that you travel in, that, that to let... Uh, lend even more credibility what, to what you're saying. Well, you know, I, I think what happens is, Gene, you understand this, is that the shepherds that are willing to die, you know, Bishop Strickland, Bishop Thomas Daly, uh, Bishop Corleone over there in San Francisco, or, 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 even, or even this um, uh, a friend of mine, you know, I don't want to mention his name, uh, we'll, we'll be having dinner Friday. And, and, and Gene, let me tell you what I'm going to say this Friday. I'm going to beg this bishop to go into the USCCB meetings next week and to be impolite, to, to break protocol, and to say, how dare us? We have humiliated ourselves, whether it's be, you know, keeping quiet over the scandals of McCarrick or whether it's how we handle the lockdowns of every church in America with COVID, you know, of all these, of, of, of imploring folks to march and you know, Black Lives Matter marches or whatever it is, while our churches were locked, you know, how dare us take the sacraments away from the lady? So, so I'm, I'm trying to encourage bishops to speak up to the lady that starves for the witness of the shepherd and, and to do it live in concert in front of 250 other bishops in Baltimore next week and say, we must return to a place of sanctity, grace, and strength. We must go back to Christ. We must leave this hemorrhaging Catholic Church back to the place that it knew when Jesus whispered it into the ears of Peter, that the post-Pentecost apostles knew when they were willing to die, but they would not stop sharing the faith because it was true and it was good and it was the resurrection. Well, we seem to be off the rails in 2021 today, so so I'm trying to encourage priests and, and bishops to fight for us, to fight for Eugene, to fight for me, and to really to fight for my children. Just, just, to, just, just to really be John the Baptist, to be prophetic, to lead us back to a place of grace. We've got about 10 minutes left, and I want to talk a little bit about the other book th- that you have that's currently available called—it's uh, about Father Aloysius. So would you talk a little bit about Father Aloysius and that book, and then I want to talk a little bit about what you're going to be doing while you're here. I'm so glad you brought up that book, Gene. The, the name of the book is Priest and Beggar. The Heroic Life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Ignatius Press published it in June. Um, it's this man, Father Al, this man from Washington, D.C., born in the teeth of the Great Depression, did things that I've never, you can't, it's incomprehensible. It's, it's astonishing. He essentially raised his hand in 1957 and said, I wanted to go to the worst place in the world. And at that time, it was post war Korea. And one by one by one, he picked up the lepers, the tubercular, the unwed mothers, the orphan, 
and and he just built hospitals, elementary schools, boys' towns, girls' towns, uh, hospices, leprosoriums, all over Korea. Then he did it in the Philippines, and as he was dying of ALS, he did it in Mexico. And in the course of all this, he he literally saved hundreds of thousands of lives. Um, I've been down to one of these girls' towns in Mexico, in Chaco, Mexico, where there's 3,300 girls that live there. Um, These are the future Catholic missionaries because they are unafraid to go into universities, workplaces, or wherever to to say, hey, look, man, I was Lazarus in the grave. And these sisters that Father Al founded, they took me into this girls' town or, or boys' town or wherever it might be. And I know the faith, and I'm and I'm going into this this world that's pagan. A lot of this world is pagan now, and I want to show you through my actions and my words and my eyes, look into my eyes, what the Catholic faith is. So, so this priest, Father Al, in this book, Priest and Beggar, it's a biography. Um, he is the skin on the bones of the priests we need to save the church. And he lived a life of absolute poverty, didn't he? He chose poverty. He essentially said. If Jesus was a poor man, if he lived hidden in, in Nazareth and he died a poor man, then I cannot say I'm a Catholic or a Christian or a priest if I, too, do not choose poverty. So I, I, I do think because he was the seed who died, who lived poor, um, that he was able to sort of build an incomprehensible harvest. Yeah, we, when we talked, I, I, I said that, that this is the third person uh, that— has been come up on a program that I'm doing, Father Emil Capon, uh, Leonard LaRue, and now the Father Al. That's come out of this Korean conflict, basically, uh, that God has been able to work powerfully through uh, men in what we think is a very horrible war. Well, yeah, all the great saints, whether it's Charles Borromeo with the bubonic plague or, you know, Joan of Arc, you know, the, the great saints suffered. And, you know, we, we know the old Catholic cliche, but it's true. You know, it's the blood of the martyrs that pushes the church forward. And, and mm-hmm. so you, you have to step into chaos and devastation, as Father Al did, and as Father Capon did, because if you don't step into the chaos and devastation, it's going to stay chaotic. It's going to stay de- devastating. So graces flow from that. We... And this book with Father Al kind of gave you another transition in your life, too, that you're doing something a little bit different again because of your involvement in this uh, with writing this book for Father Al. Right. Well, are, are, are you are you speaking of my work for World Villages for Children? Yes. Yeah. So that's so what happened. What happened is when I spent a month down there researching Father Al's life at Girlstown, I, I, I saw with my own eyes. These are the witnesses that were, will help to save our battered church right now because they have been resurrected, these children. And there's over 20,000 today all throughout the world in 17 different boys' towns and girls' towns. And these are authentically Catholic boys' towns and girls' towns that are producing – every year they produce between four and 6,000 graduates, 18-year-old high school graduates. They're going into the world as engineers, architects, teachers, mechanics, whatever, lawyers professional athletes, but they're going in as fully catechized Catholics, not, not branch Davidian Catholics, sort of silly and painted on, but resurrected Catholics who are unafraid as father Al was unafraid. And these sisters of Mary who catechize them and teach them and love them are unafraid. These children go into the world unafraid. 
So, so yes. Yeah, so now I work on behalf of them, just trying to get their message known. So, so I'll say it, Gene, please, you know, it, it takes a lot of Wheaties and, and, and cornflakes and, and tennis shoes for 20,000 children. So look, go into worldvillages.org and, and look what these sisters are doing for these, these once bullied children. It's just, I, I don't know of a better story in the church today than what these sisters are doing and what Father Al created all those years ago. Now, let, I'm going to do another transition. Let's talk a little bit about what you're going to be doing when you're here in the Bryan College Station area. Well, is there any football games that weekend? I, I, I do not know. I'm so sorry. I'm joking, Gene. But it, I, don't think there's, I don't think there's a home game, so there, perhaps at least well, the men will be finished before the game starts. Well, then I'm done. Then I'm stuck talking to the men. So, <laughs> I'm so, so yeah, I'm going to. You know, I, I think men men are hungry, especially with the year of St. Joseph coming to a close. You know, I want to hold Joseph up, and, and I want to bring, you know, one of the things I want to do is is, is re- remind men, as I need to be reminded, that Joseph was the protector of the Holy Church. Well, men are, are the protector of their holy family. Joseph loved poverty. Well, men men can't dive too deeply into riches and comforts. You, you mean know, it's not the one so, who has the most toys that dies with the most toys that wins? I, I'm, I'm going to look that up in the catechism. I don't know if that's in there or not. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. I don't, I don't think so, though. Uh, you know, Joseph was a terror of demons. Well, you know what? Dad's got to be a terror of demons. Dad's got to turn off the TV and the Internet and the, and the stuff that might pop up uh, on, on their kid's cell phones. So, you know, so I'll get into the fatherhood of the dad and relate to Joseph, but also um, Mike, Mike, uh, who's running the, the retreat has also asked that I give a second talk on what we can do to bring our children who have strayed from the faith back into the faith. And that's, that's that third rail that is so difficult and it brings such travail and such sadness to mom and dad. So I'm going to try and dive in and offer a suggestion or two for that as well. So you're going to be talking to the men basically about how to become a Joseph uh, in today's exactly. world. And what are, we, what are you going to be talking to the women about? I'm going to tell them to stop nagging their husbands all the time. <laughs> You're really not going to be very popular. <laughs> I, I know, but i got to catch a plane anyway, so it'll kick me out of it. No, <laughs> no Gene, I, I think, the, I think with, the, with the ladies, um, I think I, I, want to sh- I want to encourage them to understand that, that there are still strong men out there. And, 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 and I think I'll hold up a few strong priests, uh, strong Catholic men, and encourage, and encourage them to, to really pray for and nudge their own husbands. And really, be, be stronger than a nudge, really demand that your husband or your son become holy. Um, so, so really, the, the, women, the women, their maternal instinct, uh, how they drive their husbands, and, and sons, I, I think in this day and age, it's got to be stronger because our world needs strong men. And oftentimes men won't be strong until they get that nudge from their wife or, or, oh, yeah. or, or, their, or their mother. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're talking about the men's our morning reflection that will be December 4th at Santa Teresa Church in Bryan. And it'll start at 8 o'clock and end at noon. And Kevin Wells is going to be the primary speaker there. And then in the afternoon at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Bryan at the uh, pack uh, between one and three, he's going to be talking there. So, and if you want more information on that, you can call 
Gene, are both events free to attend? They are free to attend. I believe they will take a free will offering up at both of those to help cover expenses. Uh, Kevin, we got about a minute for you to tell me the last message you have for us. Well, I, I, thank you, Gene. Um, I do want to encourage your, your listener to, to go, please, we, we need to see what a hero of the church looks like today. And, and Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, who, who's on the path of canonization, what he did, I contend, has never been done in the history of the world. And, and there's a lot of research that went into that. I encourage them to go to priestandbeggar.com, priestandbeggar.com, to see what holy men do. I mean, this guy was around when Michael Jordan was playing basketball. It's not like it's not like he was around 500 years ago. This this guy this guy should still be alive. He died too early from Lou Gehrig's disease. This this man wanted to be the starved man from the cross to give all, and he gave all, and he and he really he saved hundreds of thousands of bullied people. It's, it's an astonishing story. Oh, Kevin, that's a great story. And how can people get a hold of you? I would go on to kevinwells.org if you're not sick of me yet. Okay. kevinwells.org, and, and uh, you can find me there. Thank you so much, Kevin Wells, for being my guest today. Uh, and I'm going to remind all of our listeners then, that when you're choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up. And talking, I